It's 10 o'clock. <laughs> I want to welcome you this morning as we gather together in the glorious name of Jesus to sing praise to his name, to acknowledge our needs for his ministry in our midst, his word coming to us, his, his offering to us, his gracious and merciful forgiveness. And I look forward to being together with God's people this day. One announcement that I do have. Uh, many of you may know uh, a longtime member, Margaret Smith. Next Sunday is her 90th birthday, which, glory to God, he has been good for a long time to her. Um, unfortunately, because she's at the Fieldstone Memory Care Units in Marysville, human contact from the outside is not welcome. But things that can touch her heart are uh, notes and cards that may come her way. And Ellen, if you'd stand up, Ellen has got some little mailing labels. So <laughs> you don't even have to remember what her address is or look it up because they are waiting to be jumping your way at the close of service so you can lay God's blessings upon one of his people who uh, is sort of on the outskirts right now. Thank you, Owen. One of the things that uh, we do, as in last Sunday, uh, by the way, for those of you who have been praying for our son David, uh, my wife Gail and son David are here. His healing is going amazingly well. So, I want to thank you so much for your constant love and lifting up David, especially in your prayers. Well, we swing by Puyallup on our way back home to, toward Olympia and visit my mom, who is also in a, in a, a care home. Uh, she's 97. She, has a, she got a head start. Uh, and we got to stand outside double doors and talk to her on the phone. She could see us, but it, it, it becomes awkward and, and lonely and set aside. And uh, so those little chances of touching her heart by people who know her and love her, uh, get stuff that's bright and beautiful and touches her life. So before we begin our, our songs of praise and thanksgiving, I'm going to invite you to join together with me as we sort of try to clear the deck of all the garbage that we've been walking in. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things that weigh my heart down things in our society, in our neighborhoods, and things that are going to be impacting in, in the months ahead. And, and it, it's stuff that sort of wants to, to chain me away from the freedom that God has, let alone the things that I think and try not to say still sort of glom on to me and 
as nice as we try to talk about it, the reality is it's, it's missing the mark of what God has planned for me and I'm guessing for you. And that missing the mark is essentially what the word sin means in Greek, hamartia, it misses the mark. And so much in me misses the mark. So I'd invite you to stand and join with me as we make confession to God and wait to listen for his promise. Almighty God, our maker and redeemer, we poor sinners confess to you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. Therefore, we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy and ask you for Christ's sake, Grant us forgiveness of all our sins. And by your Holy Spirit, increase in us true knowledge of you and of your will and true obedience to your word to the end that by your grace we may come to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It is the promise of God who loves us so much that if we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just, and he forgives us our sins, and he cleanses us from every bit of unrighteousness. That is his promise, that is his work, and that is what he offers to you who believe in his promise. In the glorious name of Jesus, I proclaim that truth to you. Amen. Come, lead us in worship. Okay, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to church. <laughs> so our first song this morning is going to be Yesterday, Today, and Forever.
Our second song, we all know, is Here I Am to Worship. So this next song is, um, we're going to sing Broken Hallelujah, and it's a powerful song because we all have had moments in our lives or lately between forest fires and work or school starting that we might feel a little bit of alone, and um, we just have to remember we don't always see his plan, but he does make beauty where the ashes are. Please join us.
And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness to the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and, and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is the Father's side, he has made him known. And this is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Y'all may be seated. And let's begin with a word of prayer. Almighty God, we thank you so much for this day. A day where we hear once again about the word. Yes, we have the written word, but there's so much more, Lord Jesus. There is the living word whom you are. And I pray, Lord, that you would send your spirit to speak your truth into our hearts, that you would guide us into faith and fill us with belief to your glory and to our good. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, over these next weeks and months, the plan is sort of to be looking at the Gospel of John. Uh, the Gospel of John is a, a wonderful presentation of the life and ministry of our Lord Jesus, designed differently than the other synoptic Gospels, and we'll get into that uh, in weeks ahead. But the, the truth of, of what God chooses to do, breaking into the world, in Jesus Christ. Uh, one of the songs that I had requested was the second one that we did today. And to me, it is a very Christmas song. Here I am to worship. That is, light of the world, you stepped down into darkness. It's talking about the incarnation. And later on here in, in, in John's gospel, we hear about that incarnation. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. In the Gospel of John, we are invited to, to a faith that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
trusting him as Savior and acknowledging him as Lord. Uh, John doesn't start his gospel with these words, but as he comes to the conclusion of his gospel presentation of Jesus' ministry, he tells why exactly it is that he wrote his gospel. He says this in, in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, and maybe you have these words already memorized. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you might believe, so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by, leave, by believing, you would have life in his name. That's why John wrote his gospel. Why? So that you and I would believe who Jesus really is. And in believing that, we would have life in his name. Now, in John's gospel, uh, the key word is the word believe. Uh, it's a verb. It's used 96 times in his gospel. That's a lot of times. And, and when you throw not only the, the verb believe, but the noun of that same word, faith, and some of those things that associate themselves with that faith, like trust and reliance and confidence, those words are well over a hundred times used in the gospel. Faith is the word pistis in Greek. The verb believe, pistuo. It's, it's the same word, just one's a noun and one's a verb. And, and it's something that God's Spirit wants to push into our hearts and into our lives. John shares so that we might believe. But the reality is, even though God's word speaks and, and, and shouts and invites, not all people choose to respond. I want to tell you about some of the contemporary beliefs about the Bible. And I want to go maybe a little pre-contemporary, contemporaries right now. Back in the late 1960s, while I was a student at Seattle Lutheran Bible Institute, I was on an outreach team, called them impact teams and outreach teams and a number of different things. And, and the group of folks, there are about six or seven of us, we sort of were located as far south as Klamath Falls, almost to the California border, staying in Oregon, and on up the coast in Washington, and even making it all the way up into North Vancouver, British Columbia. And I can remember sharing, uh, as we would go, we would sing and we would bear witness to our faith and the wonderful things God had been doing. And after one of our presentations, this was in North Vancouver, there was a couple guys that came, and they looked very hippie-ish. Of course, in the late 60s, a lot of folks looked very hippie-ish. And they were a couple years older than us, and, and they came and shared. Now, maybe what they shared wasn't true. Maybe they were just yanking our chain. I don't know. 
But they came and they shared that actually they were seminary students. They were preparing for pastoral ministry in the Lutheran Church in Canada. And as we had shared our faith, they said, you know, we don't really believe that stuff. In fact, we don't like the church. We don't believe in God. But we figured that the best way to destroy the church was from the inside. Now again, maybe they were just yanking our chain to see how we would respond. But it was a very disappointing thing to hear because we took it as truthfully revealing what they believed. A couple of years later, I was traveling on a ministry team. We were gone for five months. We were in Europe, in Israel, in Africa, in South America. And as we were approaching back and coming back into the States, a, a presentation, a, a survey had been done within the Lutheran Church in the United States. That was the time of the American Lutheran Church, the Lutheran Church in America, and the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, the big three Lutherans, 1972. In that study, the pastors responding to what they believed and what they didn't believe shook me. Well over 40% did not believe that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Yeah, born of Mary, yes, but not of the Virgin Mary. They didn't think he was the unique son of God. It was somewhere in the 60s and 70s percentage of people that did not believe the miracles that Jesus did. They even discounted many of them, the teachings that Jesus. Yeah, someone else wrote it and they put it in Jesus' mouth in the gospel. And I hurt so bad thinking that there are actually Christians who don't believe what God's word says. And not only people that were in the church, but people who were leaving the church. Now, to get a little more contemporary, because 1972 isn't very contemporary, but bring it up to the year 2020. Every two years, there is a, a study and a survey that is done by Ligonier Ministries. Uh, Dr. R.C. Sproul, uh, the name familiar to some of you, wonderful man of God, has now gone to be with the Lord, but the ministry that he began uh, continues on. And Ligonier Ministries, every two years, does what they call a state of theology questionnaire. It goes out to a wide variety of, of, of people that are within the church, whether it's Orthodox, Roman Catholic, Protestant, Evangelical. And this bit of information is what comes down to the people who call and consider themselves to be evangelical Christians. To the question, Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. Those who claim to be evangelicals, 32% agreed with that statement. A third of the people who called themselves evangelicals thought Jesus was just a good teacher, but definitely was not God. 
said that Jesus was the first and greatest thing that God ever created. And another 11% just weren't sure. Uh, you add those numbers together, 67%. That is two-thirds of those who call themselves evangelicals say that Jesus was the greatest creation and the first creation that God did, which, by the way, is pure Arianism. It is not scripture. It is a lie that was decided by the, the Council of Nicaea in 325. Jesus is not what Bible says he is according to their beliefs. 51%, over half, feel that the Holy Spirit is just sort of a, uh, a force, almost Star Wars, may the force be with you, rather than, than a true and living, fully God person. 54% disagreed with the statement, even the smallest sin deserves judgment and eternal damnation. Half, more than half, didn't feel that that was a reality. They've completely discounted what James says in James 2.10. Whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point is guilty of all of them. You steal your kid's candy after Christmas and you don't tell them and you don't ask? Is that missing the mark? Is it sin? And is that enough to send a person to eternal damnation? According to scripture, it is. There is a bit of good points. 80% of those questions said that God counts a person as righteous, not because of one's works, but only because of one's faith in Jesus Christ. At least 80% got it right. But a fifth of those who call themselves evangelicals don't. What was seeded in the church back in the 1960s and 70s and 80s and 90s has come to a deadly fruit within what Jesus calls his body. In our world today, just like in many days, in many centuries before, there are many people who hold sincere religious beliefs that are fully and completely incompatible with what God's word has to say. I think we had to look at what God's word has to say. So that with all the confusion that surrounds even people who fill the churches, that we would be filled with the knowledge of, of what Scripture says about the God who knows us and loves us so very much. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. The living Word is the eternal God. If you want to keep points, that's point number one. You can take it to the bank. 
the living word, our Lord Jesus, is the eternal God. Sort of interesting, three times just in that first verse is that word was. We sort of think of was as a has been, but in the Greek language it is so filled with something else because when he uses it, he uses it in what's called the, the, the imperfect tense in the Greek language, that was, which conveys the idea that the origin of God and the origin of the word has a simply continuous existence. That's what the imperfect means. It's, it's not been completed. And not only is it not completed in the future, it was never begun in the past. It has always been. It talks about the eternalness of this one who is the word, the one who becomes flesh and dwells among us, full of grace and truth. Now, we can see a physical universe, and we can know and comprehend with our minds all sorts of things. There are things that God has created that we can see and things that we can't see. We can't see gravity. We can see the effects of it, but we can't see it. There are so many things that God has put into process, into beginning, and, and all of it comes because of that living word of God. God spoke, and, and what God spoke happened. Last week, we looked at those words from Genesis 1, and God said, let there be, and depending on that day of the week, what God said, let there be, became. God called into existence. And when he called it to existence, God spoke it. And when God spoke it, he used the word. That word that eventually becomes flesh and chooses to dwell among us. Point number two, the living word is the creator of all. Not only is that living word eternal God, that living word is the creator of all that exists. Verse 3 in today's section of John, chapter 1. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Those people who answered that question, calling themselves evangelical, that Jesus was the first and finest creation of God, they got it fully wrong because Jesus, the living word, is not a creature. He is not a createe. He is not a created being. He is the eternal being who has created it all. Paul, a different gospel, not a gospel, a different writer in scripture, writes to his brothers in the church of Colossae. And he's speaking of the Lord Jesus. This is in chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, talking about Jesus. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
That's talking about Jesus. All things were created through him and for him. And all of those things at some point will bow the knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Or writing to his friends in Corinth, chapter 8, verse 6 of his first letter. For us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things and for whom we exist. And one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom, excuse me, through whom all things and through whom we exist. The Lord Jesus Christ, for him, through him, to him, all to his glory. The living word is the eternal God. The living word is the creator of all. And the living word is light and life in a dark world. Sometimes it gets hard when our society goes contrary to God's heart. It seems so dark. It seems like ugliness has descended upon us. One of the books that I read more than a decade ago, maybe more than two decades ago, this present darkness, talking about the light shining in the darkness. Uh, when I served down in California in Salinas at St. Anne's Guards Lutheran, we were very close to the Naval Postgraduate School. That is, when, when people are going for their college degrees, they go to the Naval Academy at Annapolis, Maryland. However, some people within the military, they, they go for higher degrees so they can be of more use intellectually to our military services. And so people from the Air Force and the Army, the Coast Guard, the Marines, the Navy, they go to the Naval Postgraduate School. And one of the guys who taught at the Naval Postgraduate School was one of the leaders in our congregation, Dr. Phil Durkee. Wonderful man of God. And in fact, uh, he was even the, the dean of all the physical sciences. His specialty was in the kind of stuff that we're dealing with right now. Clouds and meteorology and all that kind of stuff. And Dr. Durkee was asking me, so when you look, can you see further in the light or in the darkness? And I was very quick to respond to Dr. Durkee. And I said, brother, I can see a lot further in the light than I can in the darkness. And he says, I don't think so. I said, why? Well, in the light, you get a chance to see the distance from here to the sun. Eight million miles away or whatever it is that we rotate around all the time. That's what you can see, how far you can see in the day. And that's pretty good. You can see eight million miles. However, at night, you can see light years. You can see burning balls of gas that are so far away that they might not even exist now because it took so long for that light at 186,000 miles per second to get here, they are so many light years farther away 
you can actually see further in the dark than you can in the day. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Dr. Durkee. You can. Well, it says that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. The family farm was about four miles from the Air Force Base, Grand Forks Air Force Base. The strategic, the strategic Air Command saw that as a very important place because during the Cold War, that was where they were going to send the B-52s off the runway, over the pole, and try to fight against enemies that might want to destroy us. And because it was such an important base for the military air command, the strategic air command, there were so many missile silos around that place to intercept any kind of thing that was coming in. Every hour, helicopters were flying over the farm, bringing new people to go out to the different missiles, missile silos to, to be on their 24-hour shift to keep watch for our protection. And, and then the Cold War ended, and those missile silos got wiped out. Uh, that is, not blown up, but filled in and all sorts of stuff. And some people actually bought them, bought the land they were on, and have made themselves bomb shelters. So I asked my Uncle Don, bomb shelter, you're so close to the Air Force Base, you ever thought of putting in a bomb shelter? And he looked at me and he laughed. Why in the world would I want to do that? I mean, if they're going to bomb, it's coming our way. Why would I want to live a long time suffering with nuclear radiation poisoning? Now, if the big bomb comes to hit them, what I'm going to see is I'll look to the east and see a big flash of light to be followed by a bigger flash of light that will not fade, the Lord Jesus. He was looking for that light that was shining in the darkness that will not over, be overcome. A couple months ago, my uncle got a chance to see that bright light. And even hear some wonderful words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy that's been prepared for you from the foundations of the earth. In him was life. It says in John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. All the darkness and ugliness around is not going to overpower our Jesus, who is the light of the world. Jesus says in uh, chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Or as the psalmist writes, your word is a, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We have the words of Jesus that, that shines light into our confusion, into our fear, into our depression, into our hopelessness. And he shines the light of the gospel with his promise that will never fail. Or, or in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to 7, 
This is the message we've heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Now, if we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we fellowship with, with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Come, follow Jesus. Walk in the light. And his blood is going to cleanse us from all sin. That living word of God is the eternal God. That living word of God is the creator of all that exists. That living word of God is light and life. And the living word of God gives life to us as God's children. Here are verses 9 to 13. That true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Born of God. To those who received him. Who, how? By believing, by trusting, being confident in his name. Believing in him that we might become those who have the right. Those who who have been bequeathed, bequeathed and willed by God to be the very children of God. So, back to that state of theology, 2020 or 1950. Then 1517, the beginning of the Reformation. Or 325, with the Jerusalem, excuse me, the Athanasian, the Nicene Council, or back to about 32, when Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. How would we answer? My hope and prayer is that 100% would agree that Jesus was, is, and always will be God and not just some fabulous teacher and miracle worker. My prayer is that 100% would say, no, Jesus is not created. He's not the finest thing that God ever created. Jesus has always been, is eternal with the Father and the Spirit. My prayer is that 100% would agree that the Holy Spirit is fully and completely God that he is equal to the Father in glory and majesty, co-equal with the Father and the Son in the worthiness of receiving praise. Ministry, slightly different from the Son and the Father? You bet. The Holy Spirit is the one who is hands-on in our lives to speak truth to us, to breathe life into us in faith believing in the name of his son. My prayer is that 100% of us would agree that 
any missing of the mark, however far and wide it might be, or however almost made it, any sin takes us out of relationship with God and makes us dependent upon Jesus' death and resurrection for us. My prayer is that 100% of us would acknowledge that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, not because of what we've done, but because of what God has done for us. Again, those reasons that John acknowledges why and how he set up his gospel. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which aren't written in this book. But these are written so that y'all may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you would have life in his name. You see, that's God's plan. That, that this word comes to us and, and it, it breaks our solid, stony heart and makes us filled with the gift of his grace and favor to receive what he has for us, for his glory and for our good in all that he does through us and in us. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would be the ones who are called by your spirit to faith, trusting in your work for us. Guide us, lead us, and fill us with a peace and joy that comes from you alone. I ask this in the glorious name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. If you would, my lighthouse. We have two closing songs today. Our first closing one is My Lighthouse. So if you, oh, prayers after Lighthouse. And then the final song. (laughs) So if you please rise and sing with us.
We're going to join together in a time of prayer, and I always encourage congregation to join together in prayer, but I did get a bit of announcement saying, love it when people pray besides you, which I do too, but those who aren't able to be here who are, are watching on YouTube or uh, Facebook, it's a big blank spot. So we have an option to help, and that is a wonderful thing called a microphone with a red little thing around it. And I'm going to invite, if, if you've got some prayer to offer, and I plead, do have some prayer so it's just not me speaking the words from our hearts that I might miss. Just come on up and use that so the rest of us can join together with you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, a day of your promises where you choose to be our light, shining, bringing us safe to shore. I pray, Lord Jesus, that even now as, as we come together as your people to lift those things that, that your spirit places in our hearts, that we would do it with faith, with confidence, not in the words of our prayers, but in the power of your spirit and the fullness of your love. So guide us now, Lord, as we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for making me as big as the universe and beyond to as small as the tiniest atom. Thank you for doing all so much and doing us and caring so much for us. Bless your name, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
Father, today we lift up Melanie as she's healing from surgery. And Father, we lift up others who are hurting that we don't even know about. I think of so many who are lonely and struggling. Lord, we just lift them up. We thank you so much for Margaret and her testimony of faith and her legacy, Lord, that she's left in our church. Thank you that you've given her 90 years, and may she continue to honor your name. Lord, I pray for our nation. I pray that your wisdom would prevail. Father, that people would turn back to you, that this would be a time of repentance and faith and renewal. We just love you, Lord. We praise you. Father, we lift before you those who've been impacted by the, the struggles of the fires that have uh, so powerfully impacted, especially the west coast of our country. We pray for those families that have lost businesses, who've lost homes, who've lost family members. I pray especially, Lord Jesus, that you would gather your church together, especially in those areas, that you would be a, a, use that church as an avenue of, of your grace to touch these lives, to open up their homes to those in need and homeless, that you would bring a comfort and a peace in the midst of what's going on. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would surround our firefighters, our law enforcement, those in the medical community who have a hands-on interaction with the sick, the injured, the burned, the lonely. I pray, Lord Jesus, that your presence would be powerful, that you would protect uh, from any attacks of the enemy, whether it be illness or insurrection, and that you would lead us to a place of healing and freedom in our land. I pray, Lord Jesus, for the pastor that you will have this congregation called to be their leader in the years ahead. I pray that you would be working in the heart of, of him and his family, that, that you would help them have a sensitive ear to hear your voice as this congregation seeks your plan for their future. And in those times that uh, are waiting for that to happen, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would continue to surround the leadership and those in responsibility of this congregation, uh, the deacons, the, the church council, those who are in educational ministry, uh, those who, who, who are the face of, of your people ministering in this part of the world. I pray, Lord Jesus, that, that you would allow your people, even as you have said, to be a bright, shining light in the midst of the darkness. That people would be attracted, not to their brightness, Lord, but attracted to you. Pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us the grace that we need to be your people in this time and in this place. We pray it all, Lord Jesus, in your name, even as you've taught your people to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And I'd invite you now to open your hands, to open your hearts, and receive the blessing of God who loves you so very much. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with the greatest of all his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Shine, Jesus, shine. All right, our final song today is Shine, Jesus, Shine.
and peace shine to the glory of God. Give each other the right elbow of fellowship and live in his peace. Amen.